This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Coach, we're ready to play. This is the Sporting Record. My name's John A. Tate. I've got M. Collard over there and I've got James Tate over there. Yes, we are here. It's great to be here. We're going to talk about sports and stuff. We've got so many topics to get through. We won't get through them all. Mm. So I'm not going to waste time with silly (laughs) chit-chat. Thanks, John. Before we get started on today's show, the Sporting Record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program today and on which much of our local sport is played. We'd like to pay respects to Elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. We'd also like to acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life. Mm, Well said. So we're going to start with something we don't normally talk about, which is the A-League, in particular the Women's A-League, which is gaining a lot of uh, headlines at the moment for good reasons. What are those reasons, Em? Well, I mean, I guess like, you know, springboarding off the back of last week's Good News Week, um, we just wanted to highlight that as I guess as part of the Matildas effect, you'd say, as the Women's World Cup this year, that uh, Sydney FC have set a new attendance record with over 11,000 fans turning up to watch a single game last week. This comes off the back of the club's announcement that there has been an 800% increase in women's members since last year. So 800%. That's a big percent. It's, It's a massive percent. It's huge. And has, the, has the season just started? What's yeah, it's, yeah. This weekend. it's just it's just started. So there's um, players like Courtney Vine, who won famously scored the winning goal against France mm. in the penalty. She's a household shootouts. name now. Fore- Absolutely, forever a legend. Now plays for Sydney FC. There you go. Um, we also, I believe, just before you get going, Em, yeah, before yeah, yeah. that game that broke the record with over 11,000 people. Mm. There was an F3 derby. Mm. Now, I believe F3 is a lower league. No, no, no. The F3 derby is, in fact, the um, game that happens between the Newcastle Jets and Central Coast Mariners. So they call it the F3 because that's the freeway that goes between them. And they... That's what that is. (laughs) It's so funny. I saw... There's a photo of them posing with this. The... um, the trophy for the F3 derby, and it's literally a piece of like... Um, bitumen. It's No, not bitumen. That's for the men's. Oh. For the women's, it's a like a car rail, Jeez. a, car, like oh, a, a, car, a yeah. guard, guard rail, guard rail yeah, from yeah. on the side of a freeway. <laughs> I, was, I was reading, F, that everyone was saying is F3 clash, F3. So yeah. I thought, F3, that must be a different league. No, it's the same league. It's the same league. It's about a freeway. It's about a freeway that connects Newcastle to the Central Coast. So that game that happened before the record-breaking game was mm. a record-breaking game in itself. Mm. 
which had 5,735 fans turn up, and that was a record, and everyone was going, wow, how good is this? Then a few hours later, over 11,000 people turn up it. for the next game. Yeah. That's a doubling. So record-breaking temperature here. It's nice. It's good to see. Yeah, it is Great good. to see. That's it's good. good to see the momentum is carried on. I know it's just the start of the season, but like they're huge numbers in terms of percentages, as we heard, 800%. So it's nice to see that there's actual tangible evidence that there's, you know, the Matilda's effect is continuing mm. to carry on. So the Matilda's got a lot of people interested, and now this is staying. Mm-hmm. A lot of players who did really well for the Matildas decided to stay in Australia. Yes. And they would have had a lot of offers from people overseas as well. So they're investing in Australian football. And then a lot of players who are overseas, apparently, have come back to play in Australia as well. So there's a lot of investment going on by the players themselves, and that's that's pretty bloody good. And that's huge because it brings people in. They want to see their favorite players, and then from there you've got you know, sponsors are like, oh, look how many people eyes on my particular product that I want to sell. And it's just a nice positive reinforcement cycle occurring there. So great to see it. So speaking on record uh, attendance breaking, mm. I'm going to segue to the AFLW now. Oh, here we go. Where Emma's dug up a beautiful little cl- clause. Would you call it a clause? It's a, yeah, it's a clause. A Santa clause. A Santa clause. <laughs> so... As far as I understand, in the AFLW, it's only a 10-game season at this point, and everyone wants a bigger season. So in the A-League women's, it's a 22-game season, you know, just for context. In the A-League men, in AFL men's? A-League women's. Oh, A-League women's. Yes, sorry. Yes. So AFLW want more games. They've only got 10 but apparently getting more games has something to do with attendance. Is that right, Em? That's, That's absolutely correct. So there is a clause... In um, in terms of AFL women's, that says, subject um, A says that the AFL 2024 AFLW season will consist of 11 premiership season matches for each AFLW team and a four-week final series subject to the average season attendance at 2023 premiership, the 23, 2023 premiership season games being three and a half thousand or higher. So essentially what that means is the if that average is achieved, then the AFLW season next year will have 12 rounds plus a four-week final series as long as that three and a half thousand mark mm. is achieved. So they'll extend it a little bit. So I'll extend it by two games, two matches for, home, for the home and away season. If this year they're able to have a three and a half thousand... Um, average attendance at So we need people to matches. get along. We need people to get along. We do. And like, I don't know, I've got my own opinions about this, but the I dare say that like other sports are putting these types of conditions on their women's, like, you know, like the A-League women's, they're getting, they've got full rounds and full seasons, which mm. is awesome. Um, I'm not sure that they'd necessarily be averaging that much. And we saw the disparity in the type of, wage increases that the men and women in the AFL are going to get um, mm. in the recent collective bargaining agreement that was agreed to. So I don't know. Like it, we need to get people out there, but it would be nice to have a little bit of support from the actual, you know, uh, AFL themselves to be like, well, mm. we want to grow it and we know it can't. We, like, you know, putting in the work that we know it's going to grow. Mm. Some of it's got to do with giving them good venues. Yep. 
Mm. So this weekend, Essendon's playing against West Coast, but we're playing at Windy Hill. Mm. So it'll be packed. Yeah. I'll get the three and a half there easy. Spiritual home. I'll go. Mm. I'll I'll try to get down too. I mean, you know, when they play down at uh, 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 Mornington Peninsula. Bloody Frankston. I'm not going. I'm going to watch it on telly. Nothing against Frankston, but for Frankston to be Hawthorne's home ground, it just. It just doesn't seem right. You know, everyone from Hawthorne has to travel to Frankston to see their team play. Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm certainly a big, um, I think, proponent of suburban grounds. In the NRL, they often will go back to suburban grounds in Sydney. You've got Leichhardt Oval um, that hosts the West Tigers and stuff. And that's like, it would be as if AFL teams were playing at Vic Park or you know, Icon Park or whatever. So obviously they'd sell out and probably wouldn't be able to get the attendances, but, the, mm. you know, the vibe is there. It's a great time. But it makes it difficult if you're having the suburban games be out of reach from the actual fans themselves. Mm. Like, mm. sure, if it was a Frankston game and the Saints were in it, maybe that makes a bit more sense. Mm, there's, but, an, there's an accessibility Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd yeah. also say viewership is important too. You know, that's not in the clause at all, but mm. viewership. It should know, be. Suburban grounds, they can only hold so many people and themselves are inaccessible to a lot of people because mm. of public transport, you know. You've got a game at Marvel Stadium, very easy to get to because all the trains go there. All trains, trams, buses, like everything literally goes mm. through there. It's a it's a hub, but, you know, getting to Princess Park even, you can't get there on the train very that's easily. Very difficult. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So attendances. I mean, I mean, the message is go to go to the games, people. That'd be yeah, great if you can get there. But the other message is, come on, AFL. You know, they're they're incentivizing, but it's kind of like holding the league hostage. Yeah, you won't get more games until you get more people to your grounds. By the way, we're going to start your season during the men's season, and that's and the, the thing. We're going to make finals. it as difficult as possible to engage the people to come to the ground. So, or, I mean, come on. What, yeah. what is this neoliberalization of the NFL? <laughs> I mean, jeez. Well, yeah, agree, agree. So the the other news is there's a World Cup in cricket going on. There's also mm. a World Cup in rugby, but we're we're not going to talk about the rugby because no. Australia's not in it. Um, go Ireland if they're still in it. Anyway, we've got the Cricket World Cup going on. And, and big news if you like following underdogs. And big news if you do not like England succeeding. So everyone tune in because I yeah. feel like that almost covers everyone. So we got excited a couple of weeks ago when Afghanistan beat somebody. England. That was a great win. Afghanistan beat England. Are they England. England? The, uh, yeah, that was happened in the last few days. Afghanistan has beaten England in the World Cup. So I was going to follow Afghanistan, but now I'm going to follow the Netherlands because they had a big win over somebody, South they, Africa. They won against South Africa, and it's their second win in an international tournament against them. They actually beat South Africa last year in the T20 World Cup, and mm. which meant that Pakistan... Uh, got through, I think, to the finals. And they were, ex- like, South Africa were fully expecting to win against the Netherlands and progress to the finals. But then they lost. Cop that. It was an absolute, like, everyone's, you could even see that, like, when the Netherlands players could realise what was happening, they were like, oh, my goodness, we're winning, we're going to win. Mm. And then knocking South Africa out of the tournament and Pakistan went nuts. It was awesome. So this is 2020, of course, and the the Netherlands team wears orange, as you would expect them to wear. Mm. But there's a couple of Aussie connections involved in the team. Is there re- in the Dutch team? Yes, there is. Go on. So the captain and best player yeah. and wicketkeeper is an Aussie. His name's Scott Edwards. 
Oh. Uh, I went to KO and watched the, the, the mini replay of it all, yeah. which goes about 20 minutes. And he starred. He, he scored 78 not out, Ooh. took three catches as wicketkeeper. Ooh. It was a reduced match to 43 overs because there was a bit of rain at the start. Um, the coach, do you call him coach in cricket? I suppose you call yeah, him the, you coach. Call him the coach. coach. He's also an Aussie uh, who actually played for um, Australia. Looking for his name here in my notes. Here he is, Ryan Campbell. He played a little bit for Australia A in yeah. a couple of things as a wicketkeeper. And there he's sort of a professional coach in that. He played for Hong Kong too because <laughs> his grandmother had a bit of Hong Kong um, um, citizenship. Hong Kong has a cricket team. Yeah, yeah, they do. So I guess they were, also they were also colonised. They were also colonised. Scott Edwards, <laughs> it's also a grandmother connection. His grandmother is Dutch mm. and uh, he has a dual passport. He's a dual citizen. Good on him. He uh, played for Richmond. He's a Richmond boy in uh, district cricket. Ah, there you go. There you go. Nice. Isn't it nice that there's a team that wasn't colonised by England that's <laughs> getting good at cricket? Honestly, it's such a... It's it's refreshing. The tie between England destroying places and those places are magically liking cricket and is, is strong. Mm. And, and the Dutch team, you know, that's a totally different thing, which means cricket is alive and well around the world. England tried to colonise Afghanistan, mm. but they got their asses kicked. Yeah. Good to hear it. And so Afghanistan. As did the Russians. <laughs> and Afghanistan. And the Americans. Beat them again. Afghanistan beat them again, which is great. <laughs> go Afghanistan. We like that. There you go. So that's our underdog cricket news. Mm. Go Netherlands. And Australia lost to India in their first game, so probably not going to win now. But no. Nah. Well, they're, as the, when I was looking, maybe it was yesterday, as the ladder stood, Afghanistan was actually um, above Australia. So Australia's lost two. And one one, and same yeah. as Afghanistan, but they've got a better percentage, so they're currently sitting above Australia on the ladder. <laughs> mm. And in the women's cricket, Australia's just smashed West Indies as mm. well. So in the first game, Australia won by eight wickets against against West Indies in a, in a pretty short game. Game two was washed out, and then in game three, which happened at St Kilda, uh, Australia beat West Indies again. By eight wickets and a pretty commanding performance. That is pretty controversial. Talk about getting along to local grounds. St. Kilda. Down and watch the women. Yeah. Play, play at St. Kilda. World class cricket happening over down in St. Kilda yeah. by the by bloody Albert Lake or wherever. Yeah, That's Albert pretty Park, good. mate. It's, it's not bad. Junction mm. Oval. It's a nice, nice spot. Uh, Melbourne is the sporting capital of the world, everybody. How about that? <laughs> We've got sport coming out of our ass. And it's even in the suburbs. It's even in the suburbs. So we'll jump to a quick break now and on the way back. John's managed to dig up another squash story. What I about squash? I we, can use our, it. we can use our new button again. I just can't believe it. It's more squash news. <laughs> squash is coming up. So You'll like this one. It's got some trivia involved. Announcement time. Announcement time. Public transport's great. What's not great is that unless you've got a radio with you, you can't listen to the 3CR when you're on it. Until now. The Community Radio Plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are. Get on board and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. Trans Family is a not-for-profit organization providing a peer support group for loved ones including parents, siblings, extended family, and friends of a trans and gender diverse person. Trans Family runs discussion groups in person and online. 
we offer a safe space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your situation, and provide peer support. We are especially keen to hear from loved ones in regional and rural Victoria. Donations to Trans Family are tax deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. Trans Family is a 3CR supporter. Okay, what about squash? We've got a new button for what about squash. Let me just find it in the bloody computer. Here we go. What about squash? What about squash? Right. So, uh, uh, M, what do you know about the actress Michelle Yeoh? Uh, I mean, she's pretty awesome. She won an Oscar, didn't she? She did. She won an uh, Oscar for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm-hmm. One of the great modern movies of uh, this decade. I tried to watch it yesterday on lieu of this story, and I, I can only get halfway through. It was just... Too weird for words. You don't you don't like warping reality in no, your No, but she's a great it. actress. Yeah, fantastic. Um, she start, I'll give you a little bit of background. We'll get into the squash bit in a minute. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm interesting to see how you tie this together. She's a famous actress. So she started in Hong Kong action movies. Mm. She, um, But then when Hollywood discovered her, she's basically been in every movie that requires Asian actors. Right? So she's Malaysian. Mm-hmm. So she was in Tomorrow Never Dies, a Bond film. Mm-hmm. She was in... Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Memories Classic. of a Geisha, Kung Fu Panda 2. Yep. Uh, she played Aung San Suu Kyi in The Lady. She, played, she was in Crazy Rich Asians. She was in Star Trek Discovery, playing a Starfleet captain. There you go. She's famous. She's done everything. Okay. Here's five things you don't know about Michelle Yeoh. Oh. Number one, she was uh, the Malaysian junior squash champion. So the best junior Malaysian squash player in the country. Juniors is under-19s in squash. So under-19, Malaysian squash champion. There you go. Number two thing you don't know about her. Yep. Um, She also studied ballet. She wanted to be a ballet dancer uh, rather than an actress. She's sounding a little bit unfairly talented. Number three. She does her own stunts in the movies. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you know, God. these are action, you know, kung fu kind of movies. Mm. So as a ballet and squash uh, person, you can see why yeah. she's very good at those sort of stunts. Uh, number four, haven't got to the squash bit. I oh, will sort of have. Uh, number four, uh, she was also in beauty pageants. So she was Miss Malaysia at one point, oh and gosh. she was also Miss Moomba 1984. And what's that exactly? Mo- Moomba is in here. Yes. She what? came to Melbourne. <laughs> she came to Melbourne. No. To be in the Miss Moomba beauty pageant, <laughs> and she won it. In 1984. She's even conquered here. I told you you'd like this. And number five, she's married to a French guy called Jean Todd, uh, who was used to be the Ferrari Formula One team head. Jeez. Ah. What but an interesting She's, she's coming to... Facts. <laughs> so I've got all these facts because she's just been appointed uh, to the IOC as an IOC member. What's the Olympic IOC? International Olympic, Olympic Committee. Committee. Oh. And she was pushing for squash to be included ah, in the Olympic that's, Games That's LA. how it's gotten up. That's the connection. Oh. So she was, oh, not the only reason, but she was very pushing hard for squash because of her 
background as a junior squash champion. So squash is officially an Olympic sport now, John. Yes, all that's been ratified this week. How do you feel? Squash, 2020 cricket, lacrosse. Baseball, softball, flag football. And a crazy sort of a pretend gridiron sort of a game. Yeah, flag football. It's like Oztag. Yeah, it's bad for your knees, I reckon, all that weaving and dodging. Mm. But, John, you've been a squash player all your life. Yep. You've always said squash should be an Olympic sport. I've always said that. You've always said... I grew up with him saying that and saying it's unfair Every racket squash. sport's in except squash. Bloody everyone hates squash. Why is that? So now squash is an Olympic sport. What's your reaction? Well, I feel my life is fulfilled in many ways. <laughs> and Whoa. I'm suddenly... A Michelle Yeoh fan. I was going to say, Except number one fan. Except for that movie, she, she won that thing. But anyway, that's that's it. That's my squash news. And that's uh, that's coming from someone who played an exhibition match at Melbourne Central. Is that right? Uh, no, I didn't play in that. I, I was watching that. Oh, you lied to me. <laughs> lied to your son growing up, pumping your own tires. That's right. Oh. Yeah. So can we play the, 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 the button again? Yes. So just to, just to ram it home, uh, we've always been asking... What about squash? And there it is. It's an Olympic sport. So all you squash players out there, squash court owners, power to you. You've been, you've been fighting for this, and now we're here. I want to do a very quick draft wrap. I mean, it's been pretty... For people who aren't into it, I am, because it brings together two of my favourite things. Yes. Footy and numbers. So this is the trade... Is it a trade, this trade is, wrap? This is AFL trading week. Okay. Yes, trade wrap for, more AF, than a week. for AFL men's. They're trading everybody. But they don't just trade players, they trade draft picks. Mm. Mm. And that's the bit that gets me. Because as a frustrated mathematician, I love all that stuff. All right? But it does sound confusing, I'm sure, to many people and probably pretty boring. So I just wanted to explain one thing. At the start of the draft, uh, technically, every team has a first draft pick, a second draft pick, a third draft pick, a fourth fourth round draft pick. Yes. But... During the trading period, they, they trade all those away, depending mm. on where they're at. Mm. I'll give you two extremes. So Port Adelaide, they think they're pretty close to a premiership. Yep. So they don't want to draft 19-year-olds. So they've traded away all their picks mm. to get the players they think they need to win the next premiership. Mm. Interesting. So all they've got left is pick 76 in the draft. So we don't want these assets. We want players now. And they could choose to waive that as well. They don't have to. No, take they don't even have to use it. Yeah, but that's where they're at, and that was their yes. what they were doing. Yes. On the other hand, Gold Coast have they don't need early picks because they've got four players in their academy. Yeah. Now the northern teams, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Sydney, and GWS, have a special academy arrangement where they can foster players from their own sort of regions, mm. and um, when it comes to draft time. They get special priority on them. And the thinking behind that is football is usually a Melbourne thing. So mm. a lot of the best players come from Melbourne. And if you have academies in those places, then you'll get homegrown talent. And then they'll want to stay in the area. A lot of Melbourne kids who go to Gold Coast and stuff, they often want to come back home. Mm. And so those teams are losing out. So that's an interesting solution to that problem. So at the moment, uh, there's four of Gold Coast Academy kids who are really good. They'll probably go in the first round. Right. So if Essendon like one of them, we can bid on them at pick nine. But Gold Coast can match the bid and get the kid. Because it's one of their academy boys. And to match the bid, they use up. They can use up lots of low picks and, and the points add up to a certain amount that mm. matches pick nine. Yep. Okay? So, <coughs> so, sorry. so in the trading period, Gold Coast were happy to trade off their high picks. Yep. They're not going to use them yep. to get in lots and lots of low picks. So they've got no picks in round one, 
Right. But they've got two, four, six second-round draft picks. Oh. And they're just going to use them to match the bids. Yeah, because yeah. other teams will go, we want that one. They go, no, nope, we've got enough points in the bank. Yeah, we're taking and we him. get right. – is it similar to like a father-son priority thing? Yeah, where, same thing. Yeah. Uh, now that you mentioned that, a couple of teams have got a father-son coming up. Bulldogs have got a good one. So they've been uh, saving up third-round picks yep. so that they can match that pick on, mm-hmm. on him. There you go. So there you go. So that's all I wanted to explain. That's how it all works from a mathematical point of view. There we go. So we've got five minutes left, and I reckon I'm going to invoke one of the great uh, sporting record questions. Ah, <laughs> yes. oh, here we go. Is it ethical to trade human beings? Take the floor, Em. Ah, oh, here we go. Well, um... I mean, this is a cop-out answer, but I'll explain. It depends. Oh. <laughs> I think the system that we have set up here for the AFL, NRL, that type of thing, the, especially in the AFL in trading, people have to consent to being traded. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing is of why I think it makes it okay here. I mean... The picks are interesting because their picks are of unknown people, but they will be people eventually. So maybe that's a bit murkier, but it's hard to hard to know. But in terms of actual people, like they have to consent to it, and maybe that's something that they want to do. It's like mm-hmm. people that they want to go home, like Jason Horn Francis wanted to move back to um, back home to South Australia after being drafted to North Melbourne, mm. things like that. So I think the consent is a big part of it, and I think it makes sense in professional sports that you know, span a whole country's worth of competition Mm. to be okay. But I think it's really interesting in like the NFL and the NBA, people can just be drafted. Like you just get a call in the middle of the night saying you've been drafted, you've been, sorry, traded to X team on the other side of the country. You're, you're, You're packing up and you're leaving tomorrow. Often they get traded and they don't even know and they check social media yeah. and they see that they've been traded and they have to move to another city. Yeah, and so, you know, for players, regardless if they have families or not, I mean, if you've, they've got kids, they've got to move schools potentially or whatever their arrangement is, I think that's a little murkier. But in saying that, though, my other question would be, is it ethical for those sporting people to be earning like $50 million per season? Like, is yeah, that ethical? That's a great question. Um, because, People would say, if you're getting paid that much, well, that's the way that's, that's, it has to roll. And that's the thing. If you're getting paid $50 million a year or whatever, I know that's high. Not everyone earns that. But at the same time, most people are on multiple million-dollar contracts. Is yeah. it... Is that ethical and therefore do you just kind of waive your right to just having a say in where you go because you're just earning such a ridiculous amount of money? Even the players on the smallest contract in the NBA, for example, which is the American Men's Basketball League, mm. they get about $3 million on the lowest possible contract. They yeah. might not even play at all during a whole season. They yeah. get $3 million. Yeah, so it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's one thing whether it's – I don't know, it wouldn't be a nice feeling getting realising that you've been traded and you have to uproot your life. But at the same time, they have the funds and the money and the resources to mm. make that as smooth as possible. So maybe that's, I don't know, they're my thoughts. And I've got a, I've got a, a quid pro quo. Mm. That's not the right one, but anyway. <laughs> so those players make that much money. But essentially, the owners of the team are, are billionaires. Mm. So every team in the NBA is about 3 billion, 4 billion, 5 worth 5 billion dollars and their owners are thus billionaires. And the billionaires play, pay the players millions of dollars and in, in some cases hundreds of millions. 
So is it ethical for one person to own an entire basketball team? How about that? Well, money talks. Money does talk. I don't think it should. Mm. I don't think so. How does ownership work here with AFL teams? A lot of AFL teams are kind of member-owned. Yeah. So Sydney Swans, I believe, are private because they went into some trouble and some rich medical dude bought them whose name I can't remember. But most teams in the AFL are actually membership-owned. So if you buy a membership, technically, you own a small piece of that club. It's like a little share. Yeah. And the dividends are how your team performs, I guess. You don't get money. You get a scarf and stuff. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a better way to do it. I think – but, you know, I think it means Mm. that these private owners in the US of all these huge sports teams, it's like, well – it's just incentivizing people to be billionaires, which we know it's pretty much impossible to be an ethical billionaire. So yeah. I think probably the answer is no. A nuanced no. Mm. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, just for some future news, I've locked in uh, Dave Warner for an interview in November. Now, which Dave Warner is uh, Not the cricketer. Dave I feel like Warner, that's a caveat to that. <laughs> Dave Warner, the musician. Yeah. Uh, and so I've picked a song for today just to remind our listeners who this Dave Warner is. Yes, so what's the song and, and what's it about? So John? Dave's big hit back in the 70s was called Just a Suburban Boy. And as a teenager in the 70s, it was the first time I heard an Australian rock song sung by a guy with an Australian accent. We always tend to sort of slip into American accents for some mm. reason. Mm. So I love this song for that reason. But anyway, Dave Warner is one of the big three in terms of writing footy songs. Nah. Mike Brady, Greg Champion, Dave Warner. And you could throw in Donna Fisk there too. Well, she's written one. Yeah. It's a bloody good one. It's a bloody good one. But I'm talking about uh, 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 num- num- numerous The footy song footy culture. Songs. The That's folklore. Right. Anyway, so this is a song about St Kilda. He's taken his other song and he's changed the words and he's written a song about St Kilda Footy Club. So this is for you Saint fans. There it goes Saints and this has been The Sporting Record with John M and James. We're here every Thursday. Hope you have a lovely week and as always here we go new tagline stay sporty everybody. (laughs) Stay sporty. This is 3CR.